Welcome to Graphic Policy Radio. This is your host, Elana Levin, a.k.a. Elana Brooklyn. Graphic Policy Radio is a podcast about comics, but I've been covering animated shows a lot lately. Uh, I think a lot of us in comics enjoy drawn art in all of its forms. I know I, for one, never stopped watching cartoons, and we're really living in a renaissance of brilliant animation these days. Today we're going to be talking about She-Ra and the Princesses of Power. It's the new cartoon from showrunner Noel Stevenson of Namoa fame, really beloved, game-changing comic. Um, She-Ra is a modern, diverse, feminist, queer reinterpretation of a cartoon from the 1980s. It's on Netflix streaming, and you need to watch it right now if you haven't. Mm -hmm. Uh, Joining me to talk are two badass cultural critics I'm excited to have on the show for the first time. Joining me is Mae Rood. May is a queer, fat, trans-Latina, a writer, a tastemaker, and a lover of nerds. She lives in L.A., and you can find her writing at Autostraddle, Remezcla, Vem.us, and other places, and follow her on Twitter at May Rude. T. Fogner is the editorial director for comics at King Features Syndicate. When she's not reading comics for work, she's reading comics for fun, drawing comics, <laughs> dressing up as comic book characters, or watching comic adaptations on television. T. is at T. Berry Blue on everything. Welcome to the show. Hello. Hi, thanks, Alana. Thank you. Yeah. Happy to be here. So my first question is, did either of you grow up watching She-Ra cartoons? Yes. Um, I was obsessed with it when I was a kid, so. Um. I, yeah, I did not. I'm, I, like, I'm of a generation where I should have, but my parents really limited the number of cartoons we were allowed to watch. Mm. Um, yeah. 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 So uh, my parents limited the number of cartoons I was allowed to watch, but the hard rules were I wasn't allowed to watch anything with um, any kind of cartoon violence where somebody like got squashed or like fell off a cliff and mm. then came back. And I wasn't allowed to watch anything with guns. And Shira just kind of escaped the no guns rule because the guns mm-hmm. are just a little bit off. <laughs> so you have things like there's like a bubble gun and like Hordax arms shoot things and that was okay so um so yes Shashiro was one of the shows I was allowed to watch and I was super obsessed with it when I was a kid beautiful I feel like it was designed for me but I had some sort of like in addition to the fact that my parents wouldn't have let me watch it um I just had blinders that like anything that was marketed as being towards girls was just to me like going to be stupid and not worth engaging with. So even when they had things that were marketed towards girls that were deliberately being done to be exciting, I was like, stop that girl stuff. This is stupid. So I really missed out on it. Um, And the first when I first heard they were bringing it back, I was so excited just knowing that Noel Stevenson was going to be running the show. Mm -hmm. Yeah. like Oh, I remember when I first found out like Noel is one of my friends and also like, an absolute favorite creator and just it it was so great like it's a perfect project for her you know mm-hmm mm-hmm because she just has done these like fantasy prin not princesses but like in, in people in magical worlds yeah like yeah it's with, very yeah. much her wheelhouse um mm-hmm. yeah. And I just remember the first time I spoke to Noelle about the show, um, it was, again, pretty early on, and um, she was sitting there and she's like, all these characters have such great names. You've got a character named Castaneta, and she casts nets. <laughs> um, so, you know, it, it just, it seemed like such a perfect match creatively. Mm-hmm. Also, like, Noelle is just, like, a brilliant writer of trashy teens, and yes. so this whole cast of just like angsty emotional teens is just perfect. Perfect. And these really are like super believable teens in yeah. a very fantasy world. Yeah. You know, I love I how real the characters it. are. I was rewatching the first episodes to prep for this and I it brought me back to how young um Glimmer is in the beginning. Mm of the series and how much she grows up over the course of it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like it at times is like very cartoonish, but then the characters have these like really solid emotional growths and it's just really great. I love that balance that the sh- the whole show has. I was just going to say along those lines, like one of the things that's fantastic about it is how much these characters are allowed to be kids. And mm. I think my, 
biggest criticism of the first show is that for me when I was a kid watching adults do things wasn't as exciting to me as watching kids do things mm-hmm. um and so when I found out that they were aging all the characters down I just got really excited about that because I could just imagine kid me seeing these characters and being able to identify with these characters on a level that I wasn't able to when I was a child mm. oh, yeah that's yeah. so great like, did you have specific things from the original show, T, that you were really, like, hoping to see in the new one? Yeah, and actually, there are all things that I think um, the sh- new show was really successful with. Um, I think the biggest thing for me um, was, even as a child watching Shira, and I had watched T-Man before Shira started, mm. um, it always really bothered me that you had this character who essentially grew up as part of the Horde, um, saw Hordak as a father figure, was very involved in the Horde, and was a force captain, which is some kind of, you know, I guess, you know, runs a runs their own sort of, like, platoon of Horde members, Horde soldiers. Um, and that she immediately finds out that the Horde is bad, and within a few episodes has no problem with this and all of her former friends are now her enemies Mm. and there's really never any character development around the fact that Shira grew up as part of this and is now on the other side and the new show handles that so beautifully um it uh, so much of the new show is about uh the internal conflict of the fact that she's now fighting her friends and how she manages all of these relationships and particularly her incredibly close relationship with Katra mm. um who takes over as force captain when Adora leaves so for me that is the thing that i really wanted to see from the new show and is kind of central to the new show so i was really happy about that that's really interesting. I actually didn't realize that the initial show had that as her origin, and it's um, that's so much more interesting and richer than the initial notion of He-Man, where he's just coming from this complete place of power, but yeah, inept, and then suddenly he gets <laughs> more power. Where she has to have this radical transformation of her ideals and worldview. Yeah, I think for me, one of the really great things about even the early Shira is that. In contrast to He-Man, Shira sort of feels like Star Wars if you replaced most of the significant male characters with female characters. (laughs) Um, It's really this story about people fighting against an incredibly powerful patriarchy. Um, It's got a lot of really important... um, I I don't want to say lessons because it's got those Mm -hmm. weird terrible you know we're gonna give you this really didn'actic lesson thing but really important values for girls to see modeled mm. um growing up and understanding that things aren't gonna come as easily to you as they are to boys sometimes that you're gonna have to fight all of these battles and that those battles are very real so that thing is really existent in the original show um it just you never see Shira or Adora taking that sort of, um, you know, having that sort of character arc of getting to grow out of being this evil thing into understanding all of the complexities of the um, society she's grown up in. And that's, again, what I think makes the new show so strong. I think that one of the big things folks have been excited about, too, is just the character redesigns. I think as soon as we saw mm-hmm. the art, we were just so excited yeah. for it. Oh, man. So talk about that a little bit, folks. I love the character design on this. Like, there's obviously, like, the like heavy Noel Stevenson design influence. Like, you can see it in the face and in, like, the shoulders that little uh, demon character that Hordak has, the little spy, is like a classic Noel character. He looks like but, a Bamf from um yeah from uh from X Men a little bit, like when yeah Nightcrawler's little I don't know mm-hmm. he's adorable. Yeah, he's actually also in the original show. Um, he's heavily oh. redesigned, but and I totally don't <laughs> remember what his name is. Um, but he's very much in the original show as well. Um. 
So a lot. That's one of the things that I loved about this was how much um, it's really direct adaptation of the original, um, and then how well it's redesigned. I think for me, just all of the different body types that mm -hmm. we're seeing portrayed in the new one. The original one, every single character has exactly the same <laughs> physique. Um, none of them wear <clears> pants <throat> ever. Um, the ones who do wear pants, it kind of looks like they painted them on. Mm -hmm. So um, just the the variation in body types and skin colors that we're seeing and also fashion choices that you yeah. have. Yeah. Um, just really, really wide variety of kind of personalities that you see grown out of the way that these people dress that isn't at all part of the original. And also it's just, I think it's more fun. Like, it's more fun for Catra to be a cat person than to just be a normal, skinny, beautiful woman, you know? Like in yes. the original show. Like, they just really captured that sense of fun and that sense of, like, wonder and I want to be immersed in this whole world, you know? And I think that the character design is a huge part of that. Yeah. And I also love... Um, a lot of the ways that they, I think really, it's very clear how much thought went into building character designs around these personalities in ways that challenge expectations. Scorpia is a perfect example of this because she's this huge, very butch mm. scorpion lady, but she's also this incredibly gentle person. Mm -hmm. Um, and I love that contrast of character design with who she is as a person. And then I also love the fact that she's this incredibly gentle person who's also on the bad guy side. Yeah, right? Like, she's incredibly gentle. And then, like, all of a sudden, in like, when she does turn, she's like, oh, like, this is a scary, powerful woman, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I loved when I second I heard her voice um, <laughs> and realized that, you know, it was her voice. I was like, Oh my god look at this woman's amazing like midwest like butch like energy <laughs> like you just don't i'm like i hear her i know her she has a flannel but not in this show because that doesn't quite make sense mm -hmm. um and it was just so exciting like yeah to have a woman who's large and powerful of which there are multiple ones in this show um but like have her also sort of come off as like super wholesome is just mm -hmm. but, yeah. but still glamorous yeah yeah which is like you never get to really... be all of those things yeah, just well-rounded characters, which is amazing, you know, for a cartoon with 13 episodes. <laughs> I mean, and yeah. like, yeah, like I, I know we're going to talk about Princess Prom in a little bit, and we can talk <laughs> about all the multiplicity of amazing uh, different gender presentation and such when we hit that moment. But yeah, like, there's so much love for her, Scorpia. Mm -hmm. I mean, in the original show, was there any racial diversity in the cast at all, even? Um, not that I can recall. I'm pretty sure, you know, I actually started rewatching early episodes of the first one to get ready for this. Um, and not really. Um, you know, I think there is more diversity in like monster types than there are in people, which is Oof. really disappointing. Yeah, um, that's rough. That's rough. Yeah, <laughs> like there's a leech person and a beast person, mm. but there aren't black people yeah yeah so yeah i i really that's another thing that i really loved is how you know how much care and thought went into making sure that the new cast was extremely representative yeah absolutely and the voice cast too like there's so many people of color in the voice cast and i love that it was really exciting to hear Bo. like Bo's voice actor he's amazing he works on blackish He's um, so yeah. good. And I haven't heard people giving any shit over the fact that, you know, Bo is be Bo is brown on the TV show. I, I we have heard all kinds of horrible things from like terrible men about the oh, series. Gosh. But surprised to yeah. find that like people were not obsessing about that. Yeah. So one of the biggest conversations around the redesign was like men who think that the cartoons only exist for them to masturbate to God. were right. really upset that Shira didn't have giant boobs anymore and you know a lot of people respond to them explaining that Shira is a young teenage girl and plenty of mm -hmm. young teenage girls have all different kinds of bodies yeah but often young teenage girls don't have large breasts also mm -hmm. that the cartoon doesn't exist to sexualize girls bodies for the <laughs> yeah. enjoyment of men 
like yeah. on so many different levels this was just a and and for those who don't know like like 4chan type dudes went out and like downvoted the show on IMDb mm-hmm. they really had an organized campaign against it because they were angry they wrote negative reviews on websites yeah yeah i feel like part of the reason there hasn't been so much uproar about Bo is that none of these like cishet guys who were pissed off about Shiro ever wanted to fuck Bo in the first place. Um, <laughs> so. Oh, wow. Yeah. And That's, frankly, you know, in some ways, I feel like Bo's design on the new show is kind of less gay than he was in the old one. <laughs> oh, my um, gosh. Really? He has this like, first of all, the old bow is showing even more midriff. Amazing. Um, he's got like this, am- he's like got this amazing red hair and this shiny mustache. And, oh, I, like, yeah, I'm looking right now. Wow. Yeah, no, he's like. Oh, and the cape. Bo on the original show is so gay. He is so gay. Wow. And, and he comes across as very gay on this show, even though he's also, like, kind of Shira's love interest on the original one. <laughs> um, huh, interesting. Yeah, it's sort of baffling to me because, it, you know, but but again, then, I feel like that was actually taken. Like, this part of Bo that reads as very queer in the original one was kind of picked up on and carried into mm. the new show and really made into part of who he is, like, you know, the way that the character interacts um, with, you know, with both male and female characters in the new Mm -hmm. show, um, you know, really kind of has roots in the original, but he's also, he's such a sweet character in the new one. Um, (laughs) And it's just such a good personality. In some ways, he takes a lot of what He-Man is in the original one, um, because He-Man's in a lot of the original Shira, and huh. and one of the things that's fascinating to me about He-Man is here's this character who's hyper-masculine and wears pink <laughs> with lavender furry underwear and is incredibly gentle and kind and supportive of his sister. And all the boys who watched this when they were kids grew up to then downvote Shira. Um <laughs> But Bo yeah. takes on a lot of the stuff that this very like the like kind of gentle compassion that Adam slash He Man mm. shows in the original kind of gets given to Bo, and I really appreciate that. Oh, I love how like in touch with his feelings Bo is, and just how he he cries so often, which yes. is such a great thing for a male character on a kids show, you know. Yeah. Like, oh, I love it. And he talks about his feelings and he talks about what he's afraid of. I love Bo so much. Yeah. And I love that he's so close friends with Glimmer from the start. He is very comfortable being with girls and yeah, it's just comfortable for him. Yeah. They have a sleepover. Yeah. They they go to the spa thing together and it's just totally normal for like boys and girls to be friends which in real life it should be totally normal mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. but we make it into this big thing where it's like ooh you're friends with a girl why don't you kiss them yeah exactly but in this show they're just allowed to be friends and i love it yeah so we're gonna go spoilers from here on out guys if you haven't watch the show stop now i'm sure you are <laughs> very excited to experience it okay so come back listen to the show when you're done watching it okay now into the spoilers. Like one of the things that I love is that even when Bo expresses jealousy, I'm sorry, not Bo. When um when Glimmer expresses jealousy that Bo is you know going to Princess Prom with somebody else, it's not done in a way where it's like catty girls fighting. Like it really is rooted in yeah. friendship. Yeah. Yeah, it's very much the we always did this together, and now you're doing it with someone else. Mm-hmm. This is our classic friendship. Things are changing. I don't know how to deal with that. Yeah. You know? And I still think Bo is clearly queer-coded. Like, oh, oh, very I, much. I, like. I would say yes, absolutely. Like, there's not really... Like, even though he's going with Perfuma to the dance, it doesn't seem like they're going for couple reasons. He's just like, this is someone cool. I'll go to the dance with you. Sure, you asked. Yeah. I mean, and also, she asked him, right? So... She asked him, and then, I mean, like, it's very obvious that he's totally into Seahawk. So. Oh, he's in love with Seahawk <laughs> in a beautiful, beautiful fanboy way. Yes. I love it 
so much. It's when so cute. Seahawk is like, oh, my mustache is naturally shiny. And Bo's eyes just like, oh, he loves it. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, and then when Seahawk like swings in and rescues Bo and is carrying him in his arms. Yeah. And Bo is just like having the best moment of his life. He's like, yes, yes, I'm in this beautiful strapping man's arms. I love this. This is my favorite thing. Yeah, he's like clearly got, died and gone to heaven in that mm-hmm. moment. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Seahawk is like, you know, was a character who I think is really clearly can be read as bi, right? Like yeah. That's yeah. Really oh, awesome absolutely. Too. I would say like Seahawk is pan or bi. Yeah. Yeah. Like he does not seem... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would say definitely Pan because he loves men and he loves women, but he also loves the sea. Oh, that's true. So and true. And adventure. He loves adventure. He does love adventure. adventure. <laughs> so, I, I mean, I also just had this big note that just was like Mermista. Like, Mermista is amazing. Oh, oh I and love she, her. She's not. The thing that just blew my mind when we saw her is like, she is not a type or a trope that exists. Like, there is no type that I, I you know what I mean she's just really over everything and really blasé and just wants to be left to her own devices and thinks all this stuff is dumb and I just don't think I've seen a female character and she's also really clearly you know Southeast Asian and that's just and that's just that's just who she is yeah she's well and then she also is those things but she has enough emotions and enough feelings and connections to the rest of the characters that like it doesn't seem like just a stereotype broad strokes thing you know like she's mm-hmm. also a real character she also like gets embarrassed when uh her friends find out that seahawk is her plus one to the princess prom you know like she has emotions and she has feelings and it elevates her from like it could have been you know this gag character like Right. Oh, she's just constantly yeah. rolling her eyes and whatever. But then even with her, they still elevate her to this complicated character. And I love it. I yeah. mean, and when she doesn't want to go swimming through sewage, we understand why. That's a yes. feeling to have. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> that was so good. And she does it anyway. Mm-hmm. And I think yeah. um, one of the things about Mermista, too, is that Oh, and one of the things about the show in general is this idea of it's not not just Shira that they're all princesses and the whole princesses mm-hmm. of power thing. And when you have a character like Mermista, it really kind of reifies the idea that, you know, princess isn't just one thing. And that you can have you can be a princess and still be jaded about everything. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, you can I mean, be. I love a, that the yeah. show's theme was the princesses of power. Like it isn't just one person, yeah. just one way to have power. Yeah. I yeah. want to quote something from the beginning of the series. Katra says, oh, no, no, not Katra. Um, uh, Adora, AKA Shira, says, princesses are a dangerous threat to everyone on attorney. Yes. <laughs> they are a violent instigators who don't even know how to control their powers. And I love the, and you know, they have lines like the Whispering Wood is full of dangerous princesses. Princesses. Mm-hmm. So the, the whole w- world kicks off under the assumption that we all know princesses are really powerful. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe we haven't decided they're dangerous or not, but being a princess and being powerful just goes hand in hand. And they can be a physical, like, they, they, they're tough. They yeah. Fight. And they're That's the ones normal. in charge, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. It's never being like, oh, we need to worry about the princes or the knights or the police or whatever you know it's princesses specifically are the ones who are in power who are in charge who are getting stuff done i think it's also this idea that powerful little girls have the most potential to overthrow the status quo Mm, that's so good i love that yes yeah oh that's really beautiful yeah and you know and so by starting this off as a natural assumption like we're telling kids like no thinking that girls are powerful is just a natural assumption that Mm -hmm. you can have yeah yeah this show like oh it just like throws Mm -hmm. so many premises out the window you know of like how society is supposed to treat girls and queer people like you know like 
everyone goes to well, not everyone but like close to everyone like a lot of people go to princess prom with a same-sex date and it's totally mm-hmm. normal you know like they don't make a big deal out of it and just like this they don't make a big deal it's like oh it's weird in this world princesses are the one with power you know it's just natural and it's just like yeah of course princesses are powerful yeah of course girls go on dates with girls yeah of course the all these friends are super diverse you know all those things are just there and they're not made they're not like a spectacle or like a very special episode explaining how girls have power too you know Mm -hmm. like it's just the whole show is just saturated in it and i love it I remember when Catra is trying to get Entrapta onto her side, and she's like literally flirting with her. And I was like, <laughs> oh, oh my maybe maybe I want them together. And the fact is that there's so many queer women that you can ship all these different people with each other. As oh, a normal I know. Of watching the show, it's bonkers. Just like how many, just like um, like it feels like almost every character like could be queer, and that's. Mm-hmm amazing because in real life that's how it is you know every person that you meet could be queer you don't know when you meet them like queer people come in all shapes and sizes and personalities and i love that about this that you can see that no matter what type of person you are you can see a character and you can feel comfortable about who you are in that character you know yeah and i think one of the things about that is it's also just that any of these characters could have any shape of relationship with any of these other Mm -hmm. characters and the way that relationships are prioritized feels very queer too that you know that romance isn't necessarily the end game that friendships are you know just as important as romance that and that within those there's all different ways of defining those kinds of relationships Mm -hmm. um um, oh, back to Entrapta. One of the things that was amazing about Entrapta is that that's you have all these different character motivations, and you have this character who all she really wants is to be able to explore things and you know do things that fascinate her mm-hmm. and satisfy her curiosity, and she doesn't really care so much about sides or who's good or who's bad she just Mm -hmm. wants to like be left alone to do her science however (laughs) she can um which in some ways also feels kind of queer you know it's this um (laughs) you know this character who just has this one thing that they really love and that that's going to um sort of indicate their motivation and when she makes a robot or she takes over one of the baddies robots, she names it Emily. And it's just yes. a very normal thing that a robot is called Emily. Mm-hmm. Oh, Emily is wonderful. Uh, so great. And like Entrapta's whole storyline is just really great. And I think throws in this, like, like you were saying, this like super wonderfully complicated thing where it's like her character, like you said, isn't black or white or good or evil. You know, she's complicated. And in real life, that's another thing, you know, like, you're going to meet people who aren't necessarily, like, motivated to do, oh, I'm always going to do the right thing, or, like, I'm going to do the selfish thing, whatever, you know, there are people who are just doing their own thing, and, like, you're going to need to forge relationships with some of them, you know, like, those are real people. Yeah. I also love, just, I feel like I haven't talked enough about Shira herself. I, mm-hmm. I the, the fact that when Adora gets her Shira powers, she gets larger. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, there are so many magical girl transformations in the world. This is, I swear, the only one. I, look, I'm not an anime master, and I'm actually <laughs> a magical girl expert, so please tell me. I could be completely wrong, but it felt really unique to me that when she gets her powers, she gets like physically larger and mm-hmm. then everybody looks at her and it's like wow she's really big and that is cool yeah um, everyone's so in love with this like giant yeah. sword lady and i love it like i think the one the thing i would compare it to is like in steven universe you know when the gems fuse yes. and like steven has the whole song like all i want to see is a giant woman you know like all of the people in Steven Universe are fascinated and just in awe of these giant gem fusions. Just like in this, they're all like, oh my gosh, giant sword lady. Someone needs to make a fan video of giant woman song to with like yes. stuff in it. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 
Absolutely. I'm so glad you said that, May, because it's definitely one of those things where when that part in the show happened, I totally got that song in my head. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? Yeah. Um, I, I mean, there is another theme, like, with respect to um, technology versus nature. Like, it is really clear that, you know, like, what is happening from Hordak is this encroachment of technology onto the natural world. And I'm always a little bit... Uh, you know conscientious around that that trope mm. um and i i do think that the show will find it's will find a way to to make that work in the end though so it's not like reductive or whatever i don't think it is reductive already though because one of the things that we see is we see that there used to be this other world that had this really beneficial technology technology mm, yeah so you've got i don't remember i think they're called like the ancient ones or the first, first ones, ones. The first yeah ones. so the first one's technology is clearly something different from Hordak's technology. Mm -hmm. And and I think that in a lot of ways, and then you've got a character like Entrapta too, who the way that she understands and works with technology is very different. So it's not so much that the technology itself is being perceived as this thing that's going to destroy the way people live as it is that the way that the Horde is using technology mm -hmm. is incredibly destructive. Yeah, I, I do think love it's the aesthetics of those temples. Like it's very Art Deco Japanese yeah. with circuits on it. It's yeah, beautiful. Yeah, I think it's more kind of anti. I mean, almost like anti-capitalism and imperialism than yeah. anti, like science and industry. You know, like it's which like it's like you said they're battling against this patriarchy, and so it's I think more a commentary on how the patriarchy and how like a white cis het patriarchy uses technology to corrupt things and to destroy things when that's Although not I like wouldn't... i mean oh, i wouldn't sorry. read kordak as white though like his voice actor is oh. black yeah what's yeah that's true um, what's her that's name true is also uh, voice actor is also black that's but, like that is normally true. how i would interpret that i don't know yeah actually though speaking of what's her name the woman who's shadow weaver shadow, shadow weaver. weaver so like when her mask gets kicked off and you can see that she's scarred i was mm. like don't do that don't do that but there were so few moments i had where i felt like mm. this is a problem there were not there was not there were very few moments like that um you know i love swift wind deciding that as soon as like giving him giving him the horse autonomy and the first thing he does is go to liberate other horses <laughs> and not just oh stay my god with the, with the humans so the so um, my husband and I keep calling Swiftwind the um, we, we keep calling him the socialist horse. And yes. we love the fact that basically like, you know, Shira used her magic on a horse and now the horse is a socialist. And <laughs> so there's this one point where she accidentally uses her magic on a lizard and the lizard has the same thing happen that Swiftwind happened. So we know that somewhere out there, there's a socialist lizard who's probably out liberating the other lizards, but oh, the lizard amazing. never shows up again. And we really want to know what happens to the socialist oh, lizard. Socialist <laughs> lizard episode in season two. That's yeah. What, you've all got a tweet about it, asking for it. Oh, man. Well, let's talk about Princess Prom, because everybody wants to talk about mm. Princess Prom. <laughs> princess Prom is the oh. episode where all the princesses go to prom, often with <sighs> each other. There's also, like, an actual dance sequence where everybody has to dance with each oh, other. It... And Catra and Adora dancing together is just, like, so good. So perfect yes. and so gay. And just, oh, yeah. like, everything, I think, that, like people in the like queer women community have been hoping for for their entire lives like it was just so perfect yeah it's an incredibly amazing scene and it's the kind of i don't know whether to call it sexual or romantic tension that you rarely get to see between two women mm -hmm. um, yeah and you know and it's just one of those you know places where you can see how incredibly close these characters were and, yeah. and in some ways still are but also this sort of you know uh you know the, this rift that's broken between them and mm. kind of the impasse that they're at and how those two things are playing against each other and it's playing out visually and it's amazing 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just having Catra on the show with her like punk rock suit, but also long oh. hair. Yes. Was yes. like, uh. I feel very seen. Um, and you know, it was, it was definitely like something that I would have, we really, I think would have all benefited from greatly having as, as, as kids on TV. Oh man. Well, and I mean, we like, they're like, definitely, I think most of the time Scorpia is very butch, but in princess prom when she's all femmed up and she's, you know, she's wearing, she's super tall, but she's also wearing heels. And as, like, a six-foot-tall woman, like, seeing <laughs> a tall femme and a broad-shouldered femme and a yeah. big femme, you know, like, well, and especially, like, I mean, like, I love the trope of, like, big femme, little butch. And so Scorpia and Catra going to the princess prom together, I was like, oh, yes, this is, this is my life. This is what I've been searching for. <laughs> Look at all of these wholesome, kid-appropriate like women and like girls and girls with like romantic you know feelings for each other and it's also age appropriate and wholesome and we can have all the kids watch this and like you know i know that all of my friends and stuff like that who have kids of age Mm -hmm. are watching that show and like i love how all ages friendly it is yeah but i'm also watching it being like young ilana would have feelings for all of you and that's great but yeah, I think to your point, Alana, though, like having a show like this that is so incredibly all ages friendly, but so incredibly queer is so important because, you know, it challenges all those notions that anything queer is automatically sexual or automatically not mm-hmm. for children. Yeah. Um, you know, it's one of those things that I, I work, um, I, I do organization stuff for FlameCon for, um, for the cosplay program at FlameCon and that is one of those things where for me it has always been such an important aspect of trying to organize a convention to make it very all ages friendly, family friendly mm-hmm. when people immediately see it and assume that it's not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh man. Also, I think it's a great commentary on how like kids and teens are complex and they have complex relationships and complex identities and complex thoughts and feelings, you know, and it doesn't try to dumb teenagers down. This show doesn't at all, you know, it's, it treats them like people. Yeah. Well, yeah, with that in mind, let's talk about Glimmer's relationship with Glimmer's mom. Oh, man. I, I was like, the, 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 the show did such an amazing job yes. of showing, like, you have this overprotective mother and a kid who's trying to you know assess her independence and who is often mm-hmm. right but isn't always right and yeah. who at a certain point assumes that her mom is trying to tell her what to do and boss her around when her mom has actually already begun to respect her boundaries yeah and, like, i treat her love i love the message that the show so it like heavily lays down this message it's like talk about your feelings like tell your yeah. loved ones how you feel <laughs> If something is bothering you or if you're hurt, talk to the people you love and who love you because they'll listen. Yeah, and I think, too, having that relationship, having that mother-daughter relationship and having it feel really real and complex and letting them both be right and both be wrong about different Mm. things is really really good and important. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah, on... The original Shira, the kind of thing that brings Glimmer and Adora together is that it starts with Angela having been captured. Mm. And Shira goes and rescues Angela from the Horde. So it's, you know, so... And then Angela comes back and kind of looks like she's the same age as Glimmer and it's weird. But, uh, yeah, no, there's (laughs) like no... There are no middle-aged ladies on the old Shira. Wow. Um, and it's really, that's another place where I don't know that the original one did a great job of developing that relationship as really feeling mm. authentically like a parent learning to adapt to their adult child who has kind of learned to be a leader in her own right. And mm-hmm. it's something that the new one does so fantastically well. So we have this one family that is like a loving family, but still has its problems and still has its challenges. And then we have this super abusive family mm. that Catra oh. and Adora escape yeah. from. Yes. And I have in my, you know, they have this episode, episode 11, which I oh. know 
that May really wants to talk about. Um, Beautiful I, like, episode. That's the that's the episode where they're in the temple, and they start and, and Katra and Adora sort of relive and review review scenes from their abusive childhood yes. together. And I have my note just says like, look, we have like Katra and Adora wandering around a backdrop from a trapper keeper, reliving childhood trauma. Yeah. <laughs> It's it's just like this is a trapper keeper. Yes, I I, I had this trapper keeper in the eighties. <laughs> Some people might be like, no, it's not Lisa Frank. Trapper keepers had a different kind of mm-hmm. weird computer yeah. generated graphic mm-hmm. design, but that's where they are. But they're having childhood trauma all over it. So <sighs> dig in there, folks. Yeah, I love the again. Like that's more of the like you need to process your feelings. You need to deal with your feelings. You can't just bury them. You know this show is. So, like, there are all these like, great, like, healthy themes, you know? Like, it, I feel like it yeah. does such a great job of explaining and showing these, like, really healthy relationships, both with yourself and with others, and how to have relationships with people who are different, and how to grow from your mistakes, and how to grow from your trauma, and how to heal, and how to learn, and how to just become a person you know and i i love it so much i just love those themes of growing and becoming a better person and not being uh trapped by your past you know i love that so much yeah one of the things that i really like about that is that we've at that point in the show we've gotten to really see a similar sort of friendship between Glimmer and Bo, who we get the sense have been friends forever and mm-hmm. grew up together and are getting to a point where like as teenagers, there's some places where they're starting to have differences and yeah. they're starting to want to go off in their own ways. And, but that they, because they've had this really sort of healthy foundation, it's a very different, it, it's very different from what, Shira is able to have with Katra um, and kind of showing all of that toxicity and how it makes it so much harder to be able to maintain a relationship with somebody when you're trying to move away from that and they're still kind of mired in it. Yeah. And and I also was just thinking like you have these two it complicates the phrase cat Dora to describe them this way, but like these yeah. two siblings who mm-hmm. have this abusive parent figure who decides that one of them is the good one and the other one is yeah. the bad oh, one. Gosh. And the way that fucks up the good one is different than the way that fucks up the one who's labeled as bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's and I don't well, think and Katra, it... I'm, they just hadn't acknowledged that with each other prior to that sequence. Mm-hmm. I think, well, and I think Katra sort of like hinted at it earlier uh, yeah. when Adora first leaves and is like, we're the bad guys. And Catra's like, they've always been a bad guy to me. Why didn't that make you leave? You know? Like, she's like, it, when they're hurting these other people, then you leave. But when they hurt me, it's totally fine. Like, I think Catra has been very aware of this dynamic that they have, like, since it started. And just now it's boiling over. And she's seeing that Adora completely... Like, I mean, was blinded by privilege, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I and think also, that... uh, yeah, I was going to say, I think also you have this dynamic with Catra where finally, after all these years of abuse, she's getting treated with that privilege. Mm-hmm. And so now, and now she's being told to leave. She's finally getting the thing that she's been fighting for her whole life. And now the person who had that for all of those years is telling her that it's bad and she should leave. Yeah. (laughs) That's such a great point. Uh, You know, and I think like the fact that for Katra, the only options she saw was gaining power within that bad system. Yeah. And and then continuing that abuse on others. Right. Cause she's like terrible to Kyle. Yeah. Um, (laughs) You know, poor, small, blonde, feminine Kyle. Little Kyle. as much as I worry about him and as much as I <laughs> totally understand, like, why Bo would sort of basically flirt with him to try to escape. Um, <laughs> right. I have right. to admit, I laughed 
really hard when Kyle was yeeted. I, <laughs> I, 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 I yeah. feel like maybe I hadn't understood it that way until somebody memed it, but I was like, dear Lord, Seahawk literally tossed Kyle up an elevator and it just it was like yeah. It's, um, yeah. <laughs> I felt so bad about that. I couldn't help it. Um Oh Christ though, but speaking of sidekicks, I like woo, the the whole series where like Katra is saying that she basically has been made into mm. Adora's sidekick and now finally Katra basically is like Catra is like, oh well, Scorpia is my sidekick now, and Scorpia is like, I'm not, I'm not your sidekick. No, That's not <laughs> how this works. I don't think I've seen shows really address that that way before. Yeah, well, and also it's just like such a the uh, relationship between Scorpia and Catra is just overall amazing. Like, yeah, they're learning about boundaries and they're learning about how to be friends with someone who's not like you at all. And they're, and Catra is learning to sort of open up a little bit, but not really. And also it's just this dynamic of Catra being this literal teenager who comes in and then by the end of the season, Hordak is like, oh, you're the new, like, second in command. And just how much pressure that is, you know? And I it's just, I can't wait to, to see the second season, how Catra deals yeah, with that. Yeah, no, it's it, it's devastating to me that at the end, when you when Hordak tells Catra, you're like my second in command now, and she smiles, and you're like, oh, right. Catra thinks this is her happy ending. Yeah, That's right? so sad. Yeah, like, she deserves so much better. And she knows, like, how bad Shadow Weaver had it. <laughs> you know, like, she's seen how Great the second point. in command ended up and she's still it's all but it's all she knows you know she's like this is the best thing i can see in my world yeah well and it's also the thing that she sort of spent her entire life craving is this attention Mm -hmm. and this um assurance that she's doing well Mm -hmm. um you know so she's finally being told that she's doing things right by the person by one of the people who you know, told her she was doing things wrong her entire mm-hmm. life. And that's all she's ever wanted. So she can't see beyond the fact that it's all she's ever wanted. Yeah. Whew. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, also, uh, I want to a little happier topic. Yeah. Here. I, um, <laughs> which is totally fine. Like the show has to be dark or else it's not going to have that much richness as it has now. But, um, I loved that. Like when they finally break, bring back net I, I have her written down as natasa but that's not her name is it uh, and Spinella. no natasa natasa is her name it is natasa. oh castan yeah Nat- yeah natasa. i think i called her castaneta before but i don't think oh. that's right castaspella is it's castaspella is the oh. character i was oh, okay. i was mixing two names up together <laughs> these are so names. I, yeah i love the naming concept natasa. of just like yeah. your defining trait and add a vowel to it Yes. I love that. So Catra, Scorpia, Bo, Natasa, Spinner, like, Spinner, what's. Spinnerella. Spinnerella. Just. So, I th- yeah. One of the things that's hilarious is um, my husband actually asked me last night how you spell Bo because mm-hmm. he couldn't figure out if it was Bo like the implement or Bo like handsome. Exactly, um, yeah. And it, it is Bo like the implement. Um, but yeah, it's such a great double entendre. Mm-hmm. I love people it. Name themselves. Like I was just thinking. Like are these people's oh. chosen names? I don't know. That would be awesome. Right? Well, I think not with every. Why would Adora choose the name Adora? Well, right. Yeah. I think so. I don't board. think all of them. But is she the only exception in this world? She's the only one whose name isn't just like a descriptor of them. Well, but it is because she's the one who is adored by yeah, the court. That, yeah, yeah, that's that's so, absolutely true. Yeah, um, yeah. I can't imagine the horde would let people name themselves. Mm. Yeah, and and Catra doesn't like it when you remind her that she's a cat. So <laughs> I think like they're being named, but maybe the folks in like the 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 maybe the princesses are like and both yeah. like, naming themselves, which I think is like particularly queer. Um, yeah, yeah absolutely but so Natasha and Spinarella are an adorable couple yeah and you have to be like 
I can't conceive of a reality where one can watch that show and not say, yes. these two women are a couple. And I deeply mm-hmm. appreciate how they just like surround that with like, no, this you, you cannot have another interpretation of this. This is, mm-hmm. this is the couple. Yeah, yeah. I love it. Like, it's again that very like straightforward, just like, this is how things are. We're not going to have like a special episode introducing them as a couple. They just are a couple and... <laughs> If you pay attention to the show at all, then you'll see that, and it's a totally normal thing. And meanwhile, Star Wars, which this show actually has a lot of narrative similarities from, partially because they've all been reading Joseph Campbell, but probably also because of Star Wars. Star Wars, we're like watching Rogue One, and I'm like looking at, oh my god, I'm forgetting his name, Battle Monk and Blaze, and I'm like, so they're space husbands. Mm -hmm. But like, and you know, and like straight people who I know were also like, those guys are space husbands. Yeah. But I definitely don't assume that an elderly couple of straight people would look at them and say, well, they're space husbands. Mm, but mm-hmm. <laughs> meanwhile, yeah. Shira, like, I don't think that that elderly couple looks at Shira and doesn't say that Natasha and Spinarella are a couple. Like, yeah. Even, like even when they don't kiss. Right. Like, Spinarella is like, oh, honey, you make beautiful nets. Oh, yeah. You know, like, <laughs> they're a, just a classic couple. I love it. Like, so and Star they Wars feel so natural. Star Wars needs to catch up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of the things, you know, you bring up Star Wars. It's so interesting to me because the obviously the original show was being made like just after Return of the Jedi came out. Um, oh, yeah. And, well, for me, one of the things that I've always felt is that Adora's story is really similar to Mara Jade. Oh, wow. I don't know my expanded universe, really. <laughs> okay. Um, well, wow. Mar- Mara Jade's place um, in the Empire is very similar in that she's this incredibly beloved, you know, character who has, you know, who, who's basically got this, you know, place of privilege there and then slowly starts to realize that everything about it is wrong. <laughs> um, and so it's it's a really similar, it's a really similar character arc and it's one of those things that, I always just I always just really like is thinking about all of the sort of stories and tropes from Star Wars and how they kind of feed into what Shira is. Honestly, that right there just blew my mind. Like I had not thought about that, but that's so right. That's so good. I love that. Do you remember Raz from the third episode, the old lady who she wants? Yeah. Yes, Madam Raz. That's that's Yoda. Like, that's, she's, like, like yeah. Raz is sort of embodying this, like, holy fool, like, trope from, like, martial arts mm-hmm. movies, but she's yeah. also Yoda. So, Madame Raz is a much bigger character in the original one. She's mm. in almost every episode. Oh, wow. Um, she's one of the very, so in the original, also, nobody knows that Adora is Shira, which is really weird, because she's, like, standing there doing the I have the power thing <laughs> um, in front of all these people. And they never figure it out, but Madame Raz is one of the very few people who knows her secret. Um, and she's got this, like, amazing, like, weird, like, Brooklyn accent. And oh, my God. She's wow. this, yeah, like, it's actually one of the things that I'd like to see more of her in the new show. Because um, she's this weird sort of absent-minded wizard lady. And she's great. Yeah, I, well, and I think we will see more of her in the second season. Like, yeah. you know, th- they introduced so many characters in this first season. And so I'm really excited to get like some deep dives into some of them next season. So, yeah, let's talk about what are you guys looking forward to in the next season, which we're getting. Hooray. Ooh. Um, I think for me, um, and it's one of the things I know you mentioned a little bit, um, your discomfort with the Shadow Weaver stuff, but... I, one of the things that they really developed a lot more in this was that backstory. Shadow, in the original one, we know that Shadow Weaver was originally um, part of Magicore and left because Hordak promised her all this power. Um, but in this one, you get the whole Lightweaver thing. That's new. Mm-hmm. Um, and you get this idea that something went wrong there and there was some kind of, you know, that there was some sort of schism, but -hmm. not really what it is. And I'm really interested in seeing if we learn more about what happened and what that history is. Yeah. Um, 
you know, it seems really interesting. And obviously, again, more of what's going on with all of Adora's former friends in the Horde. Yeah, I mean, like, it's sort of a joke among me and my friends, but we all want a Kyle redemption arc. That's what we're hoping yes. for, season yes, two. Yes, for real. Oh, for sure. <laughs> I, but, I think that he's deserving it. He's, like, the most yeah. put yeah. upon, traumatized I know, he's person. just a poor, poor little baby. baby. Exactly, yeah, yeah, both of us. <laughs> poor baby, exactly. Uh, but also, um, like, uh, I... Honestly, just want more Adora and Catra interactions. Like, I can't yes. wait to see even more of that. They're so great together. And both of the voice actors do such a great job. Yeah. Uh, I mean, just the whole show is full of amazing voice actors. So but, true. Like, Ali Machalka, or AJ uh, as Catra yeah. uh, is as just Katra. like, yeah. wow, blowing my mind. She's so good. She's so good. Yeah, it's it's also so gratifying to see that with Catra because I don't again <laughs> going back to the old one, mm-hmm. literally like all Catra does is like make these screechy cat noises. Oh she's like Yeah, and so like she got this horrible like meow she does <laughs> before she says anything, so it'll be like meow, I'm evil. And, oh no. Oh, yeah, no. and so um, so getting this catcher who's got this incredibly nuanced vocal performance is so mm-hmm. great. Yeah. Oh, well, and then also she's really great at making like cat noises. Yes. Like I love all the noises. Like when catcher purrs or when she's sniffing out entrapped yeah. in the tubes or whatever, like, and she has her little paws like curled over. I love Catra's body language so much. When she's curled up at the bottom of Adora's bed. Yes! Uh, it's so good. So cute. It's oh my gosh. so good. Catra's amazing. I love Catra. It's all so heartbreaking and amazing. It's true. Yeah. I guess for me, next season, um, you know, I'm looking forward to, obviously, the Entrapta storyline is going to be mm, really Yes. Um, yeah. I'm looking forward to... I don't know, like everything, I guess. I It's hard to spice, but I really think like this might be an interesting story where Catra gets what she wants and then realizes what she wants is not actually great. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll probably get more of Bo's dedication to exposed midriffs. Oh, oh I, yeah. I love it. And yeah. very well. dedicated. Maybe we'll yeah, see well. if Swift wins revolution, has any, bears any fruit. Ah. Uh, so... In the original one, Bo also has a horse, and his horse is named Arrow, and so I definitely want to get oh. Arrow in on that, that horse revolution there. Ooh, yeah. yeah. Beautiful. I, I love be- that. I believe it. Yeah. Um, well, I want to thank you both for joining me. This has been a fabulous conversation. Yeah. Can you let our listeners know uh, the best place to uh, find your work online to read more? Uh, May, where are you at? Um, I'm at Mayrude on Twitter and Instagram, M-E-Y-R-U-D-E. Um, and right now, most of my writing you can find at them.us or them.us, which you said, which I think that's what it really is, but I always say them.us. But no, uh, <laughs> so yeah, at Mayrude, I'm tweeting about garbage mostly, but also trans stuff and... Uh, queer representation in all ages media and Carly Rae Jepsen. So check it yeah. out. Good. I just followed you this morning. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, so you can find me online at pretty much any social media, but since they seem to all be, getting rid of their porn i'm probably not going to be posting on this many of them now um at tea as in the drink berry as in the fruit blue as in the color tea berry blue um and mostly you're gonna see lots of queer stuff and lots of stuff about classic comics all of those places beautiful it's true, and you both are some of my favorite dressers at FlameCon. So, Aww, oh, thank you! you. Your amazing outfits there. Thank you. Yeah. 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 Oh, I, I yeah, so, I love FlameCon. <laughs> 
So this it's is good Demographic show. Policy Radio. This is Elana Levin and Elana. You can find me on Twitter all the damn time at Elana underscore Brooklyn, E-L-A-N-A underscore Brooklyn. Um, and I think our next episode might be Into the Spider-Verse, but we might be able to get another comics one coming soon. I have exciting guests lined up as well. So uh, for more comics news reviews, go to graphicpolicy.com. Really, my favorite comics coverage site. Come and check us <laughs> out. And keep it geeky.